Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and, and the, the title there says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And last week we went into uh, the background of that and, and talked about that more, so we won't uh, speak of that as much but just to remind, or if you weren't here last week, uh, David had acted on his uh, lust. He had committed adultery uh, with Bathsheba. He set up the uh, killing for Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, and others died in that same plot. So there was obviously uh, deceit. He had lied. He had covered up his, his sin but he just couldn't get away from it. Maybe he thought he had gotten away with it. But he was confronted by Nathan the prophet. And when he was confronted, David was crushed under the conviction of the guilt of his sin. And his response at that point was this. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, we, we as people just don't want to be exposed. And so we often will do whatever it takes to keep from that. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And we pray that you would use your word and use your spirit to expose us to you where we will find mercy and love. And so, will you teach us today? Will you give us ears to hear you? We pray in Jesus' precious name. 
Amen. Be seated. So David had already asked for mercy based on God's attributes upon his uh, steadfast love and abundant mercy. He'd already asked to be thoroughly washed and cleansed. Remember how we made the distinction there, the washing like with soap and so on and the, the cleansing being with uh, a, a renewal uh, like a, a leper that is uh, declared clean and so on. And, and so David's saying, I don't want to be an outcast from you, Lord. And so today we continue on to to see what, uh, what David says to the Lord in this uh, verse 3, and this is where we ended last week with this verse, and I told you we'd be picking up with it as again. And in verse 3, he says, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Uh, a man had cheated uh, on his uh, IRS tax forms. And he knew he had cheated. He uh, uh, wasn't, wasn't about to do anything about it, but it, it, was, it was just really bothering him. And so he got together $1,500 in cash. He put it in an envelope and he sent it with this note to the IRS he said, I, I just, uh, I, I cheated on my, on my tax forms this year and I just can't stand it. I can't sleep. And so here is the money. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest of the money later. <laughs> That was how David was at first. That's kind of where he started, covering it up. I can handle this. He thought he could get away with his sin. And maybe he thought he was getting away with it as he plotted to cover it up. But after Nathan the prophet, uh, God sent Nathan to him, uh, revealed to Nathan what David had done. Nathan tells this story uh, to, to David and uh, about the, the one who has the, the one, uh, one animal and uh, another one that has all the animals that he would want. And the, the rich man, he took the the poor man's one animal, and David was livid. He got angry. He said, that man deserves to die. And Nathan says, you are that man. He was exposed. And here he says, I know my transgression. His conscience was awakened and once it was awakened, there was no remedy unless God did a work in his life. 
He couldn't get away from his sin. Guilt doesn't come and go. It's there until it is properly dealt with. Now, you can suppress it. You can try to justify things in your mind, but you cannot get rid of it. It won't go away. But Charles Spurgeon said this about when you get to that point where it just won't go away. He said, this is no sign of divine wrath, but rather a sure preface of abounding favor. Do you see what he's saying? When you get to that, that point where David obviously was at that point, God's favor is right there because there is forgiveness. Verse 4, David goes on, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So here David acknowledges that although it'd be easy for him to, to point at those that he sinned against, that the bottom line was that all the wrongdoing that he did centered on uh, was culminated, came to the, the, the climax of his sin at God's throne. This is, this is where my big problem is, my sin. And he's admitting that if he was absolutely condemned at that point, that would have been just. If I'd been punished at that point. David could have said, well, you know what? I've sinned against Bathsheba. Uriah, of course, I can't do anything about that. Against the others that were, were killed in battle, against my kingdom for violating their trust, and on and on. And he would have been right about all of those. And those are things that he needed to deal with and get forgiveness for from those that he involved in the sin. But what he's first recognizing is, I've got to make it right with you, God, because you are the one that ultimately was offended against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, that's, uh, that's the essential difference between remorse and repentance. A man who suffers remorse is one who realizes he's done wrong, but he's not repented until he realize, re realizes that he has sinned against God. You get it? Yeah. So one can have re remorse and say, yeah, yeah, though, that was bad. I did wrong. But until we realize the ultimate one that we have offended is God. We haven't really repented. Even if everybody else around is saying, it's okay, we forgive you. That's not the greatest offense. So in this case, David and Lloyd-Jones expands on this. He says, basically, you're, 
You are uh, violating what God has made and what God intended man to be. In this case, of course, it would be in terms of adultery, one man, one woman. In terms of the sanctity of marriage, in terms of the sanctity of truth, in terms of the sanctity of life, stewardship of the kingdom that, that he had been given, and so on. And so David is saying, I violated all of that. I am not what you created me to be. My offense is against you, the creator. I'm violating your law. And then he goes on and says, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. He's saying, I don't have any excuse for what I've done because there is no excuse. It was me, my will, my perversity, and that's it. I'm the one to blame here, and that leads to his next statement. Verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, first of all, we need to make it clear that, that what he's not saying is that uh, the act of conception was a sinful one. Don't let anyone teach you that. That's, that's not true. It's talking about a profound truth about our very nature, about who we are. Okay, so I, I like to drink coffee. And uh, let's just say I've been known to spill coffee on occasion, uh, sometimes on myself, often on books. Uh, if you went in my library, sometimes I, I think I don't need to put my name on books. I can just say if it's got coffee stains on it, they'll know it's, it's mine, okay? So... Um, if, if I have a, a cup of coffee and I spill that on a book, I could do this. I could say, well, I, I, you know, I wasn't being very careful. I, I was a little clumsy at that point. I just wasn't paying attention. And that's why the coffee's on that book. But here's the bottom line. And you may not even think of this. The reason there's coffee on that book is because there was coffee in the cup. And that's what came out. And that's what David is saying. There's a lot of factors around his sin. He could have said, I was under stress. I, you know, there was a temptation. Who wouldn't, you know, and so on. It's all true. But what David is saying is, I committed adultery and murder because adultery and murder are in my heart. That's who I am without redemption. What came out in my actions was in my heart. So let's do a little theology here just, just for a minute um, and talk about original sin and actual sin. So original sin came into the world when Adam, uh, the representative of all mankind, when he sinned. When he sinned as our representative, it was passed on to all of his posterity since he was the first man. That means all of us. So everybody that is ever born is born that way. David is acknowledging that. So that's 
That's original sin. It becomes our very nature, and it's a sinful one. So what happens then? Well, we act according to our nature. Since our nature is sin, we sin. And that's called actual sin. When we act out, when we act on who we are and what our nature is. That's what Paul was saying in Romans 7. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And then later in that chapter, uh, Romans 7 in verse 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now, some might want to use that as an excuse. They might say, well, you know what? It's my nature. Of course I'm going to sin. David didn't use that as an excuse but as an acknowledgement that he knew how much sin permeated his very being, every aspect of who he is. It's not meant to justify his sin, but to bring his confession to a real completion at this point. Acknowledging why he's asking to be washed and to be cleansed. And you know what? We're actually blessed when we understand our own lostness. How lost are we? Jack Miller used to say, well, cheer up. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared believe. That's how bad we are. As bad as you might think you are at some point, you're way worse. Cheer up. Way worse than that. And we've got to acknowledge that. And that's what we see with David. Verse 6 Then behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. So God desires more than outward virtue, He looks upon and He knows our inward parts. I have to think that where David says, you teach me wisdom in the secret heart, that wisdom is when God uh, put him in touch and puts us in touch with our most inward sin. Because if we're left to ourselves, we will always justify our actions. We'll make excuses. We'll minimize what we have done. Martin Lloyd-Jones again who, by the way, was a medical doctor before he was ever a minister, he said this, pertaining to his own sin. He says, I'm a bad physician of myself because I know that I'm not honest with myself. I do not face things squarely. I always want to defend myself so I cannot treat myself. I need light on myself from the outside. Now let me give you an example that may be kind of hard to hear for some of you. Because some of you may still be thinking to yourself, well, 
you know what? At, at least I haven't done what David did. I, I have lustful thoughts, but I haven't committed adultery. Well, that may be true. And it's not as though if you have the thought, you might as well go ahead and do the act. That's not what we're saying. But if you're thinking that, that you're, you're okay because of that, how about the greatest commandment? Have you ever loved God with all your heart and soul and mind? Even for one minute? And the answer is no. I haven't. And we will justify, but we can't justify ourselves. When we really see the depth of our sin, we can be sure that's from God. It's not from a tender conscience that we have somehow developed. Here's the problem with that, though. When we see how wicked our sin is, it can be horrible to us. A horror show. But it's not to God. And that's what we've got to remember. Remember the quote from Jack Miller, cheer up, you're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine. Here's the rest of the quote. And you're more loved than you ever dared hope. Isn't that wonderful? You're more loved than you could imagine or even ever hope for. God is not surprised by our sin. He is not shocked by our sin. We are shocked when we come into touch with our sin. God isn't. And he's not put out. Christ is not put out when we come to him for forgiveness because that's why he came. And that's the good news. He doesn't forgive reluctantly. He came to save sinners. And every time we come to him with a repentant heart, he is pleased and not disgusted and not put out. Some of you may want to repent, but still be afraid of God. Well, David based his assurance on on who God is, the God of loving kindness and mercy. And we can too. Let's bow our heads. I want you just to listen to what God has told us about being in Christ. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Thank you, Lord, for these truths that while we may be disgusted with our actions, with the horror of our sin, you are not. And indeed, that's why Jesus came. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Amen.